obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. That's right. It's Monday night. Sports on the Hill podcast, True Radio Network. Excuse me. CP3 coming to you live from the lab. It's been a while since I've been on the air with Robbie G. It's been about three weeks. Uh, glad to be back as always. Appreciate everybody checking us out and tuning in as always. Uh, we got a lot to cover from the last two weeks. You got CP3 live in the lab. You got Robbie G live from the man cave. I'm having a little uh, issues with my Twitter feed. So I'm going to let Robbie go ahead and uh, start things off. See if I can get my Twitter feed going right now. That sounds good. Yeah, I'll uh, break down sort of the thoughts of what this podcast is going to be. We had a special guest, Neville, wanted to join us live on air, of course. Um, yeah, it's uh, been an interesting couple of weeks. He took last week off for Memorial Day, uh, and then the week before, uh, TP3 had the week off, and so we broke it down uh, with the uh, um, Power Play Point podcast team. We talked a little bit about um, uh, the... Uh, the hockey, uh, you know, how it all turned out. Um, I just realized that I am not recording this separately in OBS. Hold on. Uh, so record. Oh, there it is. Um, so now, now it lets you know, by the way, we found that out last week. Um, so um, anyway, so uh, we recapped last week. It was uh, pretty, ex- you know, sort of sad, but we, we weren't too hard on the team, but I, I'll be curious to get your thoughts in just a few moments. Uh, and then uh, we uh, talked about the NBA playoffs that looked so promising, uh, but uh, at least we didn't get swept, which is good. Uh, we'll talk about that with the Wizards Roundtable at about 10 o'clock live tonight and get their take on that series. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit of Nats tonight. The last two weeks we need to recap, so uh, Carol's going to have the two-week recap uh, for that. But of course, we're going to start off with our, our Capitals talk. Uh, we'll get Carol's thoughts on the end of the season. We'll also talk about uh, this is the three year anniversary of the Washington Capitals winning the Stanley Cup that you see uh, behind Carol and uh, in a part of our District of Champions merch as well. 
Uh, so it's uh, still exciting. I know people wanted us to get back there this year and we thought maybe we could, uh, but we'll talk a little about that and about the future for the Capitals. And we'll also talk about these current playoff series. Uh, right now, uh, there is uh, just a couple of seconds left uh, in this uh, New York Islanders Boston game uh, with an empty net for Boston. The Islanders are up 5-4 with 3.9 seconds left. Um, and uh, the whistle was called. So I'd be curious to see uh, where the faceoff is here. In the Montreal-Winnipeg game that I also have live in the uh, man cave, uh, Montreal is up two to one. Uh, and I'm kind of rooting for Montreal to sweep it. So if you hear the goal horn go off tonight, it's actually set for Montreal uh, just because, uh, you know, made it a little bit more fun to have at least a team uh, to get the goal horn going. And I promised Brian that I wouldn't spoil the Islanders-Boston series because uh, he's on delay. Uh, but I, I will probably spoil it in just a second here. But I told him, don't tune in until 9.30, so I could. Uh, but yeah, a lot of exciting series, uh, both in the North and the West, and we'll break all that down in a minute. But Carol, why don't we start off with your thoughts um, on uh, how the Capitals season ended uh, to the team that just w uh, lost here uh, to Barry Trotz 5-4 to four in this live game. Uh, but uh, Boston uh, has been playing well in these uh, playoffs. Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on the last couple of games? for the Capitals? Uh, with the Washington Capitals, uh, uh, fortunately, I missed the great convo you guys had. Uh, but uh, it was disappointing, you know, to get put out in the first round to the Bruins. So on record how much I can't stand Brad Marchand. And he had a, you know, decent series for the Bruins. And uh, we wanted the long run. We would have loved to, you know, get the Stanley Cup get another championship you know I, I know I said it a couple of times during the season that I you know wanted that to happen but be honest you know Laviolette's first year new system COVID shortened season you know different things going on so I'm not really mad about the way the season ended you know it sucked to get put out in the first round only winning one game but um I read an interesting article I can't remember where uh, who wrote it but they were basically saying after the the great cup run of 18, there were some wholesale changes that, you know, should have been made or considered. And they were like just trying to, you know, get hot again and grab a couple of pieces here and there to see if they could, you know, rekindle that magic. And uh, with Barry Trotz just, you know, defeating Boston with his Islanders to go up 3-2, uh, I feel like that was the biggest mistake, you know, not re-signing him. After they won, you know, we had a great couple of debates on the air about it. But uh, just his the, the defense is what was lacking this year. The offense has always been there, and that's what we know is a staple of Barry Trotz. And I think he would have definitely been a difference in it because he knew the right buttons to push. He knew how to get the team motivated, especially with, you know, some of the players not here that was on that team in the transition with some of the players that they acquired and were, you know, developing and got – got to play major minutes and I just uh, think that that was the he could have been the bridging bridging gap through the transition that they're going through now with new players and you know restructuring you know we're going to talk about the off season moves and all of that stuff so I mean it's disappointing losing the first round they had a you know pretty good regular season which is stable of the Capitals but you know it was disappointing to get put out in the first round, but like I say, first year coach, I'm gonna give your boy, you know, some time to trust four years to get a cup. So I'm not going to expect Lavi let to do it any sooner. And, you know, 
I don't know much about him. I knew more about Trotz watching Nashville because, like I said, you know, I love defense in all sports, and he's always been a solid defensive guy. That's why I wasn't really sold on Navier because, you know, granted he's, you know, gotten teams to the to the cup, but uh, he's never been, a, to me, a strong defensive guy. So, you know, that's always something that I look for in the coach of any of the teams that I watch. So it's always next year. Some interesting things going to have to happen in all season, and I know you got some questions, you know, that – uh I definitely love to give my input on, but yeah, just another year off to say as always next year and try to do it again. And you know, we want to get that feeling back from 2018 because that was a very magical season. And I was telling you uh, like, uh, earlier today, I was watching uh, game, the final game of the Stanley Cup when they won it. And I had the I got the last seven minutes, eight minutes of the game recorded from when they when uh, Lars Eller scored the goal and then and just to see the defense and the one to see the celebration. I don't know why I decided to watch it last night, but I did, along with the Nets World Series, man. So we'll talk about that and Nets talk after we finish talking Capitals. But yeah it's, it's funny as you say that they're doing the handshake line right now over on um on, on the channel. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh they uh uh, they were just replaying on uh, NBC Sports Washington uh, the game, so they're on the handshake line uh, right now. Uh, if you tune into that, um, but yeah, so uh, it, talk a little bit about your feelings of 2018. I want to reminisce just a little bit, and I'm going to switch up these TVs now that we have different games on. Uh, but give me your uh, your input and your take on going to the parade and the cup and, and that whole run and just how special it is to know that you don't just get right back there, you know? That season, uh, one of the reasons that uh, we started this show because we got tired of some of the negative spin and the uh, folks on the uh, airwaves from DC sports media. So it was, amazing to cover this team from the beginning to the end to go through all the trials and tribulations and to hear all the other you know outlets with their doubts and some of the fans complaining and saying you know something needs to give and we were you know i'm not i'm not gonna speak very i know i was optimistic about that season because with as much as the as much adversity that they faced they were still playing good hockey they were getting out of the right time and doing the right things at the right time, playing defense, blocking shots. You saw Ovi out there, you know, playing 200 foot hockey, you know, playing defense, offense, and contributing whichever way he could. And that sparked everybody else. And you had people stepping up in different situations when needed. And, you know, it was just, it's like you could, you could see it building from three quarters of the season being over and the team starting to lock in and, you know, I had that feeling like, yeah, this this could be something nice. This could, you know, this could actually turn into something. And then <clears throat> going down 0-2 to Columbus with the backup goalie in and then Hopey coming in, double overtime game to stave off on down 3-0, then to win the next four games against them, then to finally exercise the demons against Pittsburgh with the great koozie goal in overtime to beat them on their home ice, and then to Force game seven against Tampa Bay, shut them out the last two games of the series. Burakovsky proving all of us wrong in game seven showing up. 
Yeah, actually showing up, and I know he's uh, playing well for Colorado. Like I said, I never said he was a bad player. I just always say it might need to change the scenery. All right, no, we, we both talked about how that happens in hockey. That happens more often maybe than any other sport just because in hockey it's all – it's such a mental game, and, you know, sometimes a fresh uh, start. Uh, you know, I thought that might actually help Holpe, you know, thinking about – you know, former players, it didn't work so well for him this year, but look at Grubauer, right? I mean, he's playing phenomenal. He's one of the top three goalies in the league now. And, um, and for the best, know, so, yeah. Right. It's what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think in retrospect, would you have tried to keep him? I know that we kind of got rid of him as a way to move the Orpic contract around, but maybe we should have kept Orpic for a year and kept him instead. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, it's always disappointing to see a player, you know, leave here in any sport and go be successful somewhere else. You know, like if he just had a chance to do that here, it would have been great. But Hopi, you know, Hopi was Hopi. You know, he was who he was. And like you said, he cleared the room to get Orpic, who was a you know key piece of that run. And they was hoping to get some more of his tutelage to, you know, some of the young defensive guys that they had. So, I mean, you can always look back in hindsight and say, oh, we should have kept him. But, I mean, we also the signs. That's why he started the playoffs because we saw how well he could play and then he got a chance to play and he showed what he can do for a whole season. So, hopefully, you know, with uh, Saps and all, Double V and some of the guys we saw this year, you know, with all of the goalie situation that we had, uh, hopefully we can uh, get back to having a steady goalie, steady goalie that's going to be able to lock it down like Hopi, you know, used to for the Caps and how Grubauer is doing now in Colorado. So, like I said, I'm never going to look back and be like, oh, I told you, so you should have never did this. I mean, it was a business move. It was something that had to be done at the time. And, you know, I'm glad that Grubauer is having the season that he had and, you know, wish them the best of luck going forward in the playoffs. Yeah, um, I agree. Let's talk about the cup for a second. I mean, just an incredible run. I mean, if Reeves wasn't an asshole in game one, maybe we sweep them, you know? So, like, um, it, it was a really interesting series. Uh, I was very impressed. I was actually going back and listening uh, to the Power Play Point podcast that I recorded right before um, the last game. You know, we were very superstitious that year. We tried to do, like, a video or some podcast before each game in the series, and it worked, right? We, we did one before game four and they won and then i was like well i'm gonna do one with anna and gil for game five and it was just interesting to hear him talk about momentum and you know how he had to keep things you know positive and keep things going and for them to go on the road and win all four series as well as come back from being uh down in each series just an incredible run something that's really never happened in the nhl to the to that extent um and uh just uh just what an incredible run, just being able to go to the parade, getting to be able to celebrate it. And just, you know, I was so worried that Ovi and Nick would never win a cup. I was just so thankful that, you know, I was scared that we would hinder their career or something like they would play their whole career for us and never win. And, you know, and I would find that devastating. Uh, and so I'm just happy that they won one because this proves that this year, Every year is so difficult. It's all about, you know, fluky, hot goaltending at the right times. And, um, you know, I'm looking at Montreal right now, right? Carey Price looking pretty good. Now he's let up two goals in this game. I believe it's still tied 2-2. It's at a commercial break right now. But uh, just for him to even be on the brink of sweeping a team as the four seed, Carol, in that 
division. You know, no one saw that coming. And it brings to an important question. So 15 teams in the league pay a players over, I believe it was $8 million, right? Yeah. And of them, all the players except for one are now sitting, you know, on the couch like we are. The only one that was, was the team that spent the money on goaltending. All the other teams spent it on position players, right? So it's just interesting to see, you know, can a $10 million goaltender shut down other teams and would it make a difference? And you don't see many contracts that are this big and this successful, but, you know, Carey Price has always been great. So I don't want to knock on him at all, but I just, I, I guess I'm surprised to see that he's the last man standing. What are some of your thoughts on that? I mean, Carey Price has always been, I forgot, is one of the top goalies in the league. Uh, you know, Montreal has always had some issues. Defense has always been one of the things they kind of like the Capitals. They could always score, but not really play defense or hold them to a lead late. But uh, they've made some quality additions. And right now, like you say, when you get in the hockey playoffs, it's a whole different season. You get a hot goalie and the team that's playing well, just like, you know, we just talked about with the Capitals in 2018. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anything's possible. So, I mean, Right. And it's, it's tough to sweep. I mean, uh, Montreal is facing this right now. Only eight shots face already. Carey Price has given up two games where Hullabuck on the other side for um, uh, the Jets, who is a very good, had not been that great in this series, but is very good. He's faced 19 shots and given up only two goals. Uh, so uh, obviously he's seen more of the puck uh, in the first half of this game. We're now halfway through the game, nine, 18 left in the second period. The game is tied two two. I also want to, uh, I'm surprised Brooklyn is crushing um, uh, the Bucks right now, 93-64, with about 30 seconds left to go in the third quarter. Um, I know Brian's upset about that. He hates Brooklyn, so he's a big uh, Bucks uh, <laughs> fan uh, in this because uh, he doesn't believe that there's more than one team in New York. And by the way, I will give them a shout-out. They won Coach of the Year for uh, basketball. We'll talk more about that in the NBA segment. Uh, but, so, I mean, I I'm just so thankful that we have the Cup to sort of wrap that up. And, you know, the fact that we have this podcast and if people want to go back and listen to our thoughts – on the post game or right afterwards or interviewing Caps fans or going to the parade and all the videos. I mean, it's all on our website. It's all on the podcast page. We actually even re-ripped the audio from them and put it on um, our, uh, our, our podcast uh, channel, the new one, when we uh, moved for season five. So if people ever want to check any of that out, I hope that they go back and listen to it. It brings me great happiness going back and, uh, uh, hopefully we'll get back there again soon. Real quickly, uh, before we end our hockey segment, I do want to go over the current series, uh, how they got there, just real fast, uh, and, and my thoughts. And then uh, we'll get into some baseball talk with Carol here. Uh, so, again, uh, we talked about it. The Islanders beat the Bruins uh, tonight. They now take a 3-2 series lead uh, and game uh, number um, six will be at 7.30 on Wednesday in that series. The Canadians... Uh, and the Jets right now, the Canadians are up 3 nothing, and they would also have a game five at 9 o'clock in uh, Winnipeg uh, if uh, Winnipeg is able to hold on and find a way to win uh, this game. Uh, the other series, uh, the battle uh, for the Central is between the Hurricanes and the Lightning, and the Lightning um, are actually winning that series from the three seed, 3-1. Uh, the next game in that uh, will be on Tuesday, tomorrow, if you're listening live at 6.30, an earlier game. Uh, and then the Golden Knight are playing the Avalanche. That series is tied 2-2. Game five 
in that series uh, to break the 2-2 tie will be at 9 o'clock. And then again, that game will be in Colorado. Uh, so the way that the bracket works, just real fast, if, if people missed out, obviously uh, Winnipeg took care of Edmonton, swept them, which was a big surprise. Uh, Montreal came back over Toronto. Toronto had a 3-1 lead. And for the 17th straight season, Carol, they have not gotten out of the first round. And they were the number one by a landslide going into the playoffs. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, a top goalie, I mean, they had two teams in the top 15 that they paid for, two or three, I want to say. Uh, and they couldn't get it done when it mattered in a game seven. Uh, Tampa Bay beat Florida four games to two. The Islanders beat Pittsburgh. Uh, so, um, uh, so Barry Trotz uh, takes care of his old assistant coach once again, uh, wins uh, 4-2 in that series. Boston beat the Capitals 4-1. Uh, Colorado beat St. Louis 4-0. And Vegas won in a game seven over the wild in a very crazy series, uh, won that 4-3. Uh, so yeah, again, Montreal on the verge of potentially sweeping here if they win. Uh, Tampa Bay can close out Carolina tomorrow at 6 30. Uh, the next game in the Boston Islanders, again, it's Wednesday at 7.30. And then tomorrow at 9 o'clock, uh, we'll see who uh, wins game five between Colorado and Vegas. Uh, Carol, of the remaining teams, any of them you're pulling for? Uh, Got to go with my man, Barry Trotz and the Islanders. I wouldn't mind seeing the Islanders-Colorado uh, Stanley Cup, repping some Capitals, rep, ex-Capitals representing. That would be crazy to group ever to go against Trotz, right? I mean, that would be uh... – that would be a crazy uh, finals. We've seen a lot of crazy things in the hockey. Players. Or even if it's Vegas, can you imagine if Vegas comes back and pulls it off and Trotz faces Vegas again and beats them? Oh my God, they would be, woof, <laughs> that'd be rough. So the way it's uh, shaping up right now, it's actually pretty easy because uh, of the way the standing sh shakes out. Before it was going to be complicated and a reseeding, uh, but because of where all the uh, teams are, Basically, the winner of the Islanders versus Boston will play the winner of Carolina-Tampa Bay. And the winner of the uh, Montreal-Winnipeg series will play the winner of Colorado-Vegas, to my understanding. Just because uh, there was such huge gaps between where the points were um, and where they uh, ended up. Um, so uh, they reseed technically when it goes to the Final Four, but the way it's going to shape out, it's probably going to be that. So... Um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see. We'll give updates uh, throughout the playoffs, just uh, keeping you informed, maybe not as big of a segment, but uh, it's definitely a lot of great hockey. And I do encourage Capitals fans, if they haven't been paying attention to the playoffs and wanted to turn it off, and I get that, uh, wanting to take a break from hockey, there's still a lot of great hockey to play. Um, I hope that people still tune in and watch it. And uh, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's the last time we're going to see it on the family of NBC. Uh, you know, now... Uh, Turner Broadcasting has it, and so does ESPN. So going forward, uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, you know, how that is. I believe the local markets will still stay the same, at least temporarily, uh, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but I hope that we get Joe B and Craig and you know, NBC Sports Washington. I hope that they don't change any of that. So, uh, Carol, any final thoughts on uh, hockey uh, before we uh, switch to baseball? Um, oh, I had a question for you. I never asked the question about, uh, let me get this in, because uh, it's a really interesting one. Uh, we can talk more as we get a little bit further, uh, but I wanted to know who, you, who your protected list was. Um, so you know, who do we get to protect from this upcoming draft? So the way it's set up in the suggested is you pick seven forwards and you pick three defensemen and one goalie, okay? 
So the seven forwards that they suggested way back on April, so it's a long time ago this article was written, was Ovi, Backstrom, Kuzi, Mantha, Wilson, Eller, and Sprong. Now, Ovi, we haven't signed yet. So we can get an extra forward that is not included on that list. And I'm taking Kuzi out of this list and I'm putting TJ Oshie into the list for me. Carol, do you agree? Do you expose Kuzi? Yeah. And uh, so we're exposing Kuzi. We're switching TJ in. So that leaves one spot open for Alex Ovechkin. Because we agree. I think Sprong, Eller, Wilson, Mantha, and Backstrom are all solid. Um, the OV one, at least what we were talking about, was going with Connor Sherry because we really like that contract. Is Connor Sherry your last forward, or would you replace any of these other ones, or who else would you want to protect on the forward rank? Uh, you gotta like Sherry for his speed, and you saw what he did all season, especially against the teams that he used to play for. Um, yeah, I'm thinking that, like you spoke about the last expansion draft, how they did with TJ, how he stayed unsigned until it was all over and they signed him after. I'm um, hoping that's, you know, like I said, the logic they had with Ovi. And I'd say, yeah, Sherry would. Uh, Is there yeah. anybody? So Sherry's your, that one of the other ones, Mantha, Wilson, Eller, Sprung, Backstrom, or TJ Oshie, any of them you don't protect and you want to swap it for somebody else, or do you think that's a pretty solid core? Uh. Mantha, he's under contract, and we did give up, you know, Rana and a draft pick for him. So, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't really too thrilled with his performance in the playoffs. Who would you replace him with then? Uh, Who would you want to protect instead? I'm still. Even one thing I have to think about is contract value too. Like, I don't think they're going to take a fourth liner, for example. So why protect them? You know, so you want to protect contracts that you think are valuable to the team. That's why I'm still conflicted about Kuzi. I I still want to keep him, but you got the contract and the, you know, last couple of seasons, the way he's played. So I'm still conflicted, but I, I, I can't let TJ go. That's why I agree. You know, you flop those two, but. I, I still want to have a little faith that Kuz can get his game back. but uh, Right. I just think that with that money that you would lose if he leaves, you could easily sign up Vatican and maybe more pieces, you know? That's where but you'd I, have I, to still yeah. fill a second center role too. So it's not like you would, but we have some players in the wings, you know, in the minor leagues that can come up. Now I don't think they're your two C, but maybe you move people up. Maybe you move, move a Lars Eller up to two C yeah, and yeah, and then you can you know, have you know, some of your other ones. All right, from the defensive side, their suggestion was Carlson, Schultz, Dylan, or Ar- Orloff. So you pick three. Um, are those but, – but if you had to pick three out of those four, who would you pick, or would you pick a different three? Got to go, gotta go with Carlson. Uh, it was Schultz, Orloff. Dylan, and Orloff. Yeah. Olaf, yeah. Schultz and Dylan. I gotta go with I gotta go with Schultz because he brings a lot more to the table. Dylan, I like him. You know, he's another you know rough bruiser. You need somebody to drop the gloves and he plays. I don't think people are gonna take him either. So I kind of agree with your sentiment. Like I think if you expose Dylan, the likelihood that that's who 
you know, they're going to take from our team less, you know, and if they did, I think that's a win for us because there's so many other people that you could. All right. Between Sammy or Vitek Vanacek, who are, you can protect one goalie. Who are you protecting? I have to go with double V. I still feel bad that they didn't give him a chance that he got hurt. Didn't get a chance to see what he can do in the playoffs. Samsonov played well, but two stints on the COVID list, uh, had some injury issues. Um, I wanted to see what Double V could do because we saw what he was doing during the regular season and how locked in he was and how well he was playing. I wanted to see, you know, him get a chance to, you know, try to win the series against Boston instead of having uh, Samson off uh, in there because I, I think Double V would have, you know, made a difference in the game, I feel. Yeah, I like that idea because I also think Sammy's got so many red flags. It's another player I don't think the Kraken are going to take from us, right? You know, because I'm like, um, and I wonder if they would even take Kuzi if he's left exposed because he seems like the ringleader in this situation, right? So from an outsider's perspective, because he's the guy that got Sammy on the COVID list twice. Kuzi got it three times, Carol. It's crazy. Like that's just going through that, you know, trying to change his lifestyle. So he's probably he's not making the best decisions, but he's trying to, you know, find his way after you know going through rehab and you know admitting that he had a problem and everything. (laughs) Addiction is a tough thing, man, especially for athlete when you know that might be something that he was used to or he looked at as that was what helped him get you know make him the player that he was, and now that he doesn't have that. He's probably doubting his, uh, you know, doubting his talent, and doubting his skill set, and other outside issues. So, yeah, that's why I say, you know, I would love to see him come out of it, but you know, it's a tough situation to be in, especially, you know, like you say, in the top role as one of the guys that was looked at as one of the up and coming superstars, and then all of a sudden, you know, your life's turned upside down, and you keep making bad decisions. You know, even one or two things going to happen. They're going to give you another chance, and you know, until they're not anymore, or you're going to get put out of the league and, you know, for not producing and, you know, having issues on and off the ice. So it's definitely going to be a make or break season for him, wherever he ends up, if he's still here or if he ends up somewhere else. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you walking through that with me. Um, You know, I I thought it would be interesting to uh, see, um, yeah, your thoughts on, um, on all of those, uh, Interesting things. We'll, we'll continue to talk about it and maybe modify our lists and stuff like that as we get a little bit closer uh, to uh, when the expansion happens. Uh, but uh, I, I just thought it would be interesting to get your more instant reaction, if you will. Um, but with uh, the next 20 or so minutes, let's break down uh, the last uh, two weeks for the Nationals. And then we'll bring Brian in at the end because he's got some thoughts about one of our upcoming teams as well. Um uh, I'm going to let you rock and roll with this. I will be honest and say I saw zero Nationals games uh, this week, but uh, I appreciate you helping break it down. And uh, I'm going to go grab a glass of water, but you break that down and I'll be right back. All right. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a lot of the games either, but you know, I still went back and looked at highlights and the recap. So I'm going to go through. Uh, the scoring recap, I'm trying to share, share it to some Nets groups that I'm in right now. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Like I said, no, we haven't been on the air in a few weeks. Robbie said he broke down the uh, week before uh, when I wasn't able to make it, but 
we definitely have two weeks of Nats to recap. Not too impressive on either one of the weeks. Uh, from the week of the 23rd to the 30th, they went one and five. And then the week of the 31st through the 6th, they went three and three. So three and three is a whole lot better than one and five. But I guess I'm going to go ahead and break down this one and five week. Just trying to share this some more groups while I'm uh, have the opportunity before I start going over all of these dates because we're gonna do like a, just a quick run through. No reason to rehash games from two weeks ago. Then gonna look at the upcoming schedule and along with talk about some of the issues this team is having and why they're not performing to some of the fans' realistic and unrealistic expectations. I know I got some more groups to share too, but let me go ahead and get into it now. Uh, Nats currently sit 24 and 32, eight games under 500. Last place in the NLE, seven games back of the Mets, who are still leading the division, surprisingly. Well, su surprising me anyway. But uh, going back two weeks ago, they had a three game series versus the Reds, which they lost two out of three. They had a, a Sean Doolittle, that's where he ended up going. They had a nice little ceremony for, uh, you know, him, you know, reliving the World Series, like we're going to talk about in a little while, just like we spoke about the Capitals Stanley Cup run a little while ago. Uh, first game was a 2-1 loss. Uh, Tyler Mayo, uh, I can't pronounce that. Tyler Mayo, I guess it is, uh, one for Cincinnati. He's three and two, went five and a third. Giving up three hits, no earned runs, and two strikeouts in the walk. Uh, Mad Max took the loss. That put him at four and three. He went seven innings, giving up five hits, two earned runs, nine strikeouts, and one walk. Lucas Sims earned the save for the Reds. That was his second. He went a third of an inning, giving up no hits, no runs, no strikeouts, and no walks. Um, Josh Bell went two for three in that game with a solo home run, accounting for the only run that the Nats scored that game. Uh, the second game of the series was a rain-suspended game that they actually made up the following day, but the Nats won that game 5-3. to three. Austin Volf earned the victory. That was his first of the season. He went two innings, giving up two hits, no earned runs with a strikeout. Uh, Jeff Hoffman took the loss. That put him at 3-4. and four. He went an inning and a third, giving up two hits, two earned runs with no strikeouts and no walks. And Brad Hand earned the save, his eighth of the season, going an inning, giving up one hit, no earned runs no strikeouts or no walks. Uh, Josh Bell went two for five with an RBI single, and Trey went one for four with an RBI single. Uh, the last game of the series, the Nats lost, got shut out three to nothing. Sonny Gray earned the victory for the Reds. He went one for three. I mean, one for three. I puts him at one and three uh, at the point in the season. He uh, went six innings, giving up two hits, no earned runs, five strikeouts, and one walk. Uh, Strasburg took the loss, but put him at one and two. He went five innings, giving up five hits, three yard runs, five strikeouts, one walk. Uh, Lucas Sims earned the save for the Reds, his third, going one inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs, with one strikeout, no walks. And they ended up losing that series, losing two out of three to that series to the Reds. Then, unfortunately, they got swept by the Brewers. Um, First game was a four to one loss. Uh, Freddie Peralta got the victory for the Brewers. He went five and uh, that put him at five and one. 
He went seven innings, giving four hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts in a walk. Patrick Corbin took the loss. That put him at three and four. He went five innings, giving four hits, with four runs, five strikeouts, and two walks. Uh, Kyle Schroeder went one for three, accounting for the, own, the lone run with the solo home run. Uh, second game of the series was a 6-2 loss. Which was oh it was actually a double header because the first game I got ranked out I forgot to mention, um, so it was only seven innings. Uh, the second game was a six-two loss. Uh, Brett Brent Suter earned the victory, put him at five and three. He went an inning, giving up one hit, no earned runs, two strikeouts, and no walks. Uh, Daniel Hudson took the loss, that put him at three and one. He went an inning in the third, giving up a hit, three earned runs with one strikeout and two walks. Zim went two for four with an RBI single, and Trey had a sacrifice fly to account for the two runs for the Nets. And the last game of the series was a unfortunate another shutout, three to nothing, just like this series against the Reds ended three to nothing. Um, Brandon Wood, Wood, Woodruff, I think that is, won the game for the Brewers. That put him at four and two. He went seven innings, giving up two hits, no earned runs, 10 strikeouts, and two walks. Mad Max took the loss. That put him at four and four. He went six innings, giving up two hits, two earned runs, with 10 strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Josh Hader earned the save, his 12th of the season. He uh, went an inning, giving up one hit, no earned runs, with a strikeout, and no walks. And as I mentioned, they went one and five that week. Uh, two bad series losses to the Reds and the Brewers, two central teams that, uh, yeah, pretty much beat the Nats' butt last week. Uh, Rob, I know you say you didn't uh, get the chance to see any games, but what do you think about the Nats 1-5 against the two central opponents from uh, the week before? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Uh, they are digging themselves quite the hole, and I know that the year they won – it all, uh, they dug themselves quite a hole and they came back in it, but I don't know. Do you, I guess at the time when they were in such a big hole, we didn't think they could come out of it then either. And I, I just, we need to start putting together some wins. And I know that Brian will be on in a few minutes, but uh, I know he feels the same way about his Yankees. It's just, it's kind of lifeless, right? You know, it's just, uh, they're going along winning one out of every, you know, three or four games. And it's just not going to be enough to, to make a real run at it. And the other teams in our division, I mean, it's not like the, the best division in the world, but they're putting wins on the board and we're just falling farther and farther behind. And we're going to have to jump so many teams to try to make a run at this. Yeah, it's still early. I mean, they had eight games in the 500, seven games out of first. So, I mean, with them being eight games in the 500, still on seven games out, it means the top team is only a game above 500. So, and this team has had some injuries, some inconsistencies, uh, some issues at the plate. And uh, like I said, it's a new team. Like I said, we're going to definitely talk about it after our recap last week. We're going to get into some of the issues this uh, team has and why they're not performing, how we feel they should be performing after we saw them go on that nice run in 2019. But um, it's definitely disappointing to see where they are right now. We, I definitely had higher hopes for where they would be at this point in the season and definitely didn't see the uh, Mets leading the division at this point in the season. I didn't see the Mets leading the division at any point in the season because 
there in the Mets. But they're playing some good ball and doing some good things and playing better than that. So I can't talk too much trash about them because they're number one in the division right now. Yeah, for sure. All right, why don't you break down the other games and we'll we'll get uh, Brian to join us for uh, his thoughts as well on the upcoming schedule. All right, I was just sharing some more because I got so many groups that I shared too, man. It's crazy. Um, Following week, as I said, they went three and three, had... uh, They had a four-game set against the Braves, which we had on. Uh, no, that's right. We were off, so we didn't do it. I'm glad I did write those notes. We would have been on the air, but we weren't because it was Memorial Day. Uh, excuse me. I've been working a lot, so yeah, my brain scrambled a little bit. But uh, in that case, they went four and three, not three and three, because I didn't count that game when I did my numbers. But they had a four-game set against the Braves and a three-game set against the Phillies. Uh, they split with the Braves two and two and unfortunately lost the series to the Phillies disappointingly because the Phillies were on a bad run and I figured they would be able to get a sweep. But Harper came back from injury and he helped spur them on. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, first game of the series versus the Braves was a 5-3 loss. Uh, Charlie Morton for the Braves had the victory. That put him at four and two. He went uh, five innings, giving up six hits, three yard rounds with six strikeouts and three walks. Joe Ross took the loss. I put him at two and five. He went five innings, giving up three hits, four runs with seven strikeouts, three walks. Will Smith for the Braves earned his ninth save on the inning, giving up no hits, no earned runs with a strikeout and no walks. Uh, Josh Bell went one for four with a two run home run. And Joe Ross actually helped his own cause with the RBI single, but it wasn't enough because they lost five to three. Uh, second game of the series was a 11 to six victory by the Nets. And unfortunately, even in that victory, they still had a, a loss because Strasburg left early with, uh, I believe it was neck tightness and diminished velocity on his uh, on his pitches. Uh, he's back on the injured list. I know a couple of fans were upset, you know, because he felt like, I saw one of them said he felt like he has to feel perfect in order to pitch and all this other stuff like if you don't feel right and you can't do your mechanics and you know muscle memory and do all the things the same way every time then you don't want that pitcher out there because it's going to be a detriment to him health-wise and a detriment to your team because you're not going to be getting the top performance out of your top pitcher so it's unfortunate you know he's had some injuries issues in the past and you know lingering stuff like that but if you followed him from when he got drafted in the beginning, you knew with him being that size, throwing the way he throws, even though he's changed his throwing motion, you're going to have injuries. And being a pitcher, you know, you throwing the ball so much, it's ridiculous. You're going to have nagging injuries. So I say, folks, chill out. He'll be all right. You know, we saw what he's capable of. You just got to get back to healthy so he can start doing those things again on a regular basis and, you know, put this team on his back like we saw him do. But uh, Austin Voth came in and he earned the victory. He went uh, three innings. Well, that put him at 2-0 for the season. He went three innings, giving up one hit, two earned runs, and three strikeouts in the walk. Uh, Max Free took the loss. He went three and two-thirds. No, yeah, three and two-thirds, uh, giving up six hits, five earned runs, seven strikeouts, and two walks. Uh, Zim went two for five with the two-run home run. Gomes went one for five with the two RBI double. 
a two-run RBI, though. I'm sorry. Uh, Schwarber went two for four with two separate RBI singles. And, you know, the Nets actually looked good that game, uh, even though Strasburg went out. Uh, the next game was a 5-3 victory by the Nets. Uh, Hudson, Daniel Hudson earned the victory. That put him in a 4-1. He went in in the third, giving a one hit, no run runs, three strikeouts, and no walks. Uh, A.J. Minter took the loss. He uh, puts him at one and two. He went one in and gave him one hit, one earned run, no strikeouts, no walks. And Brad Hand earned his ninth save of the season going one in and giving up no hits, no earned runs with a strikeout and no walks. Uh, I didn't list any uh, offensive categories on that one. My bad. And unfortunately, the last game of the series where the Nats were looking to win the series, they ended up taking the loss, uh, five to one loss, that is. Uh, Josh Thompson. Earned the victory that put him at three and zero. He went in and in the third, gave up no hits, no hard runs with a strikeout in the walk. Uh, Patrick Corbin he took the loss that puts him at three and five. He went five in the third, giving up six hits, four runs with four strikeouts and two walks. Uh, and Villa, the catcher, went one for four with the RBI single to count for the lone run against the Braves. Uh, it's always good to at least get a split. You would love to get the series win, but you know, it is what it is. That's what we're getting right now from this team. So make consistencies and like we said, one and five one week and three and three the next week or four and three the next week. It's above five hundred, but like David said, you gotta go one and zero each day. Can't keep on splitting and uh having these inconsistencies on a regular basis. Because like Robbie said, it's not gonna get you anywhere come uh postseason time. Then they had a three game set versus Philly. As I mentioned, Philly was uh on the downside down slide and I was hoping they would be able to sweep Philly and uh, be able to, you know, jump over them in the stands and get out the basement. But unfortunately that didn't happen. Uh, first game of the series was a 2-1 victory for the Nets. Uh, Mad Max is on the mound. He earned his fifth victory of the season. I put him at five and four. He went seven and two thirds with giving up five hits, one earned run with nine strikeouts and one walk. Uh, Zach Wheeler took the loss. He went four and three. Uh, he went seven in the third, giving up five hits, two earned runs with eight strikeouts in the walk. Brad Hand earned the save, his 10th. He went in third of it and gave it up no hits, no earned runs, and no strikeouts. Josh Bell went two for four with the RBI single, and Juan Soto hit a towering home run one and went one for four in that game, so account for the two runs for the Nets. That was uh, Wheeler's first loss at home, and I don't know if Soto and Wheeler had something going on from his days with the Mets, but uh, a commentator picked up on it, and I did too. When the first at bat, Wheeler, you know, struck him out. Second at bat, I don't know if words were said, but when he uh, when he hit that pitch, he knew it was gone. And I actually saw Soto stare him down going to first base. And then once he rounded the bases, he stared him down as he watched it walk to the dugout. So I don't know if it's some type of, I'm going to ask Brian when he comes on. I know he knows all the inside baseball stuff. He'll probably know if it's some uh, backstory to that, but I'm definitely interested because that's the first time I've seen Soto, you know, that intense. And he was actually talking trash in the dugout after he hit the home run too. So I don't know. Hopefully Brian has some inside MLB uh, info for us because I'm anxious to hear what that was about. Uh, the second game of the series was a 5-2 loss by the Nats. Uh, 
Ranger Suarez earned the victory for the Fields. He went uh that put him at one and no. He went three innings, giving him no hits, no earned runs, three strikeouts. Joe Ross took the loss. That puts him at two and six. He went six innings, giving him three hits, four runs. None of those earned. Uh, four strikeouts and two walks. And Connor Brogdon, Brogdon earned to save his first. He went an inning. Give it up, no hits, no earned runs with two strikeouts. Uh, Juan Soto uh, had, had got someone home on the field of choice. And Josh Bell went one for four with a solo home run. And the last game of the series was a 12 to six loss to the Phillies. They had a seven run fourth inning that was aided by a blown uh, pop up by the second baseman. Uh, I forgot to write his name now. It wasn't the regular, regular, regular second baseman. I forgot that uh, uh, his name was in my brain. He just disappeared. Make a long story short, that play led to seven runs in that inning, which pretty much blew this game open along with the protective netting around this uh, home plate falling down and causing a 20-minute delay. It was a crazy game up in Philly yesterday for the Nats, but and it was a bad loss, twelve six. Uh, and did I hear that like the Nats had an opportunity, some opportunities later in that game to um, to come back, and they they, they, just, they had some men on base, but they just weren't executing. Uh, yeah. when they them on base, they couldn't get the hit that they needed. Like I said, we've seen that before. You know, they had opportunities to get men left on base when they could have, <clears throat> you know, opened the game, busted the game open, or got some runs to make it a closer game to put some pressure on the opposing team, but. Yeah, there were a few opportunities. I think they had two on with one out, and just they lined out. I think they lined out to the third baseman, you know, because they had, had the shift on. So it was just, you know, the ball not falling their way right now. They're getting opportunities. They're just not capitalizing on them as they as we've seen them do before, especially in that great World Series run where they were so efficient with two outs and, you know, no game was over no matter, you know, how late in the game it was. They would find a way to – you know, get that hit that they needed or, you know, make that play that they needed to get the team up, to get the other team, you know, off the field. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little frustrating. Like I said, eight games under 500, you know that they aren't playing their best baseball. For sure. Well, let's uh, let's bring Brian in now and we can talk about this upcoming uh, week with him. And, uh, Brian, first of all, a welcome back to the show. I'm sorry that Thank you. your um, Yankees are going through a frustrating time. And, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's a tough time for all of us baseball fans, I guess. Uh, so Misery loves company. So yes. I, I appreciate, I appreciate uh, you. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, Brooklyn is crushing uh, the Bucks in this game. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be a spoiler for you. Um, no, no. I, I am well aware <laughs> of the fact that Brooklyn is killing them right now. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, what, what are, so we've got a couple of games coming up, but real quickly, uh, your, your fast thoughts on how the Yankees are doing. And then I'll ask you some questions about the upcoming schedule. Uh, Yankees are not doing well at all right now. Um, they're, they just had a seven game homestand against two of their main competitions for the division, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Red Sox. And they finished that homestand two and five. Uh, they got swept by the Red Sox this weekend. Uh, they just look absolutely lifeless. They look, this is honestly some of the most lifeless baseball I've seen the Yankees play in my time as a fan. And, um, I still believe there's a lot of time to turn it around. And I think they absolutely need to make some sort of move. 
I don't know if that's making some sort of coaching change or something like that or making a trade, but I would make some sort of move now uh, before the season gets out of hand. Uh, they're in fourth place right now in the AL East, which is one of the most competitive divisions in, in the league. We're going to talk about Tampa Bay in a minute, how good they are. Um, it's, it's a tough division and you don't want to fall any further behind than they already have. So hopefully they can turn it around and um, there's still a lot of time, but yeah, it hasn't been a good couple of weeks for the Yankees and punctuated by the sweep this weekend at, at the stadiums at the hands of the Red Sox. Yeah, so you you now know Tampa Bay pretty well. The first two yes. opponents are uh, Tuesday and Wednesday at Tampa, both at seven ten. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on uh, on that team and how what can the Nationals do to try to uh, get some wins here? Tampa Bay is really good. Uh, they have the best record in the American League right now, um, and they're in first place, obviously, in the American League East. They just played the Yankees last week in a four game series. And I'm, I'm really impressed the Yankees actually even won two games in that four-game series because the Rays are really good and the Yankees always struggle against Tampa Bay. So um, the, pitcher, um, on, the pitcher for the Rays on two, in Tuesday's game is Tyler Glass now, and he is without a doubt one of the up-and-coming best pitchers in this league. He's really good. He's got nasty stuff. Um, I'm not sure who's pitching for the Nationals on Tuesday, but they're going to have their hands full against Glass now for sure on Tuesday and keeping the Tampa Bay lineup at, at bay. Um, it's it's going to be tough because um, they have a lot of really pesky guys uh, that just, they're not really, they have one of the smallest payrolls in the league, yet they're still one of the best teams in the league. I've all, I like, as much as I detest the Tampa Bay Rays, they, I am impressed with what they do with all their limited resources and um, they're a good team. Um, and then on, on, Wednesday, Corbin, hopefully Corbin can pitch a good game um, against McClanahan, I think his name is, for the Rays. Um, that's a more favorable matchup, I think, for the Nats. I think they're going to split these two games. I hope they – I would love if the Nationals could win both of them. Um, but The I think Tuesday game is John Lester, by the way. John um, Lester, okay. Um, that's, a, that's a good matchup, last now versus Lester. Uh, it still favors Glass now, but um, the the Wednesday matchup is definitely a little bit more favorable for the Nats. Um, if I if they are going to split, I would think they'd win the Wednesday game. Um, yeah, got it. Do you know anything about San Francisco? The uh, the Nationals play Thursday and Friday, both at seven o five. Saturday at seven fifteen, and then Sunday at one o five in a matinee game. Uh, so it's four games back at Nats Park against San Francisco. Do you know much about them? I actually know a little bit about San Francisco. They are, I believe, uh, they got off to a really good start this season. I'm not sure if they're still in first place in their division, but they were in first place for a while. Their division is really good. They have the Padres, who are one, the team in the National League that I like to watch the most, and the Dodgers, who are, of course, the defending World Series champions. Uh, they've got Kevin Gossman, who's been really good. He's a former Oriole. He's, Tim's going to love that. He's a former Oriole who's doing great for the Giants this season. And they've got Mike Talkman, who's a former Yankee, who's their starting left fielder, who's been really good for them as well since they got him from us in a trade earlier this year. Um, so I, I keep my eye on the Giants a little bit uh, because they have Talkman, but um, they're, they're, they've been off to a good start too. I think that four-game series at, this, at Nats Park will be a good test this weekend uh, and a good chance to you know, hopefully get back into this, this race. You're right, Robbie. they got to start winning games, and they got to start winning games now. 
And then Pittsburgh next Monday, uh, we'll, we'll have a live because uh, that game starts at seven o'clock. And so uh, I assume we'll go back to starting with Nats talk next week at seven o'clock. So uh, we'll, or not at seven o'clock, sorry. At, um, we start at nine o'clock now, nine o'clock. Uh, so that game will be, um, you know, in the, in the latter third of the game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pittsburgh? They're not good at all. Uh, Pittsburgh has always is like permanently rebuilding. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I, I know for a fact, they have to be in, I can't, I don't even have the standing in front of me, but I know for a fact, Pittsburgh probably in last place in their division. Um, they are not very good. They don't have a ton of talent. Uh, they trade most of their talent. If, if they get at any talented players, they usually end up trading them. So I think the nationals will probably take care of Pittsburgh at least. Yeah. Carol, what are your thoughts on Tampa Bay, San Francisco and Pittsburgh? Uh, as Brian said, Tampa Bay and the Giants are both, playing good ball. The Giants are 15 games over 500 in first place. And uh, Tampa, you know, Brian's checking them out. They're in first place in their division also. So this is going to be a gut check for the Nats this week that uh, I say three and three would be a a good thing for this team this week if they could uh, get some consistent performances from the offense and from the pitching uh, aside from Mad Max. Joe Ross every now and again, you haven't really have any consistent solid pitching and uh, something has to give soon, especially with Strasburg on the I, on the IL again. But uh, this is definitely going to be a, a interesting week for the Nationals. I just look now they're in fourth place. So I think Philly is now in last place in the division. But uh, I mean, Miami, I think Miami lost uh, early. I was watching that game to Boston. So I think Miami is now in the basement and the Nets are now still eight games under 500, but, you know, fourth place, if they could, you know, get some momentum from playing these two quality opponents and actually put some good baseball together, this could be something that could, you know, spark them to hopefully start going on a run or at least getting some, you know, consistent victories, or it can be a, a, a horrible one in five week that uh, puts them in, you know, in a very, very bad spot this early in the season. So yeah, the, the Nationals are three and seven in their last ten, but there are no they are no Miami who's one and nine. Uh so it could for Nats fans it could be worse. Um and uh but Philadelphia is five and five, Atlanta's five and five, and the Mets are seven and three in their last ten, just to give a sense of where we it's been since our last show. Um, so it's, it's going to be rough, but I'll be excited to talk, uh, uh, baseball during a baseball game, um, next week with you. And then we'll, we'll probably flip it up seven o'clock, uh, do, uh, Nats talk and then maybe seven 45, I'll do like 10 minutes of recapping where the hockey playoffs are. And then at 10 o'clock, uh, we might do a little bit of, uh, NBA, you know, where they are now. And then I'm letting our listeners know I'm taking the following week off. Uh, so, uh, Carol will have to do a baseball show uh without me for that one uh but um i'm gonna be in texas on my first uh trip outside you know on an airplane in a very 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 long time so i'm excited um but uh but yeah no it's been uh it's been good to talk nats again uh brian thank you for helping us break uh, down uh, the upcoming week carol any uh, final thoughts uh before uh, we switch gears uh nah, like i said this is gonna be an interesting week for the nats uh, hopefully I'll be able to check out some of the games and be back to recapping next week and see what these Nats can do to try to get back on the positive side of the uh, 500. Sounds good. 
All right. Um, well, with that, I mean, we're pretty much right on time here. Uh, so uh, we're going to switch over uh, for the second hour. We're going to talk a little bit of basketball. I'm going to bring uh, my uh, full team in now. Um, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk about the good and the bad for uh, the Wizards. Um, and um, I'm not sure if Arun is joining us tonight or not, but um uh, either way, uh, the four of us can uh, definitely break down uh, the wins and uh, the losses um, for this. I'm just uh, checking one thing real fast. Uh, so uh, let's see. Okay. All right. I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to share my screen. Well, actually, I'll introduce you guys first and then I'll share the screen. So uh, DC Speedbolts champ, how are you doing tonight? As you can see, I am here at the beautiful new People Studios in Alexandria, Virginia. It's a little different look than what you're used to, but it's a new look, and I'm happy about it. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. No, you, you look great. I'm happy that you're in your new digs, and it's uh, working out, uh, so that's all good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish that we had uh, something a little better to talk about, but I'm super excited that we're not talking about a sweep of the Wizards because we could have been. Uh, so uh, that's all good. Um, but Tim, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Happy that the Wizards weren't swept, like you said, and uh, <laughs> excited that we get to talk one win. Could have been zero. So yeah, for sure. Right side. Exactly. And, uh, and Brian, I'm sorry about your Knicks. It was, uh, <laughs> the, the, that Hawks team is brutal. And, yes. uh, I think they're a lot better than a lot of people want to give credit to. We'll talk in a little bit about how they're actually doing some damage in the second round. Uh, but, uh, do you want to give your final thoughts real quickly, uh, on the Knicks? And then I'm sure you'll give a greater talk about it on, on your podcast. Did you release one today? I, yeah, I mean, um, I, I did release a podcast today. Um, and I released one on Friday too, um, after the Knicks season ended, uh, where I went into really great detail of my, my love for this Knicks team and how I look, I'm still proud of them, even though they ended the season ended in five games, it's disappointing. But, you know, this was really a great season. You know, uh, it was a return to, you know, the Knicks to – the Knicks are back, basically. <laughs> the Knicks are back after this season. Uh, and I'm really excited for the future. Um, Tom Thibodeau won Coach of the Year today, which I'm so, so happy about. I alluded uh, to just, that in my Open, by the way. So that, uh, I'm so, yeah. so happy about yeah. that. That just made my day, month, week, year. I'm so happy for Tom well Thibodeau. Well-deserved. He, he uh, incredible. Look, all due respect to Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns for what they accomplished, but Tom, nobody expected what the Knicks did this season. And Tom Thibodeau deserves all the credit in the world for making that happen. He deserves Coach of the Year. I'm glad he won. And I, like I said, I'm proud of this Knicks team for everything they accomplished this season, and I can't wait for next year. The Knicks are back. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the coach of the Suns thinks. I mean, uh, they were able to get by the Lakers, so he's probably not – too upset right now he might um, he might still win the championship that's a good consolation prize. <laughs> yeah exactly so that son's team booker is incredible we'll talk about him in a few minutes but just i mean uh just a monster um and uh is unfortunate with the injuries for the lakers obviously but uh i'm excited for the suns and i'm excited that in the western conference no teams remain that have ever won a championship before so that means uh whoever comes out of the west i believe has a real opportunity to, to win their first uh championship 
uh, in their franchise history, which is kind of exciting. I know, uh, Brian, we were talking about that offline earlier. So. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, it's really interesting that there's like no, there's all these title droughts. The most recent championship of the teams remaining is the Philadelphia 76ers in 1983. So um, it's a long time for all these teams. Yeah, I would say almost all of it since we've been born, but I believe Champ was uh, born, uh, you know, in that era. Um, but <laughs> but, uh, but just oh, barely. Oh, hey, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, no problem. Um, so uh, <laughs> the uh, let's uh, use that as our segue to get into some basketball games. And then we'll break down some of the other series as well, because it's really exciting around the NBA. And just like I hope that Capitals fans uh, turn on some hockey uh, going forward, uh, I hope that Wizards fans continue to watch some of this basketball. Uh, but let me share my screen real fast, and we'll break down these games. Uh, we'll do um, – We'll do the losses kind of quickly and we'll do the win with great detail um, and, um, and and we'll move on. Uh, but uh, so when we last left off, uh, it was after game one. So we lost 125 to 118. Um, and then on the Wednesday game um, was uh, uh, the 76ers started off very strong, outscoring them 35-24, continued to outscore them by three in the second. It was an even third. And the 76ers actually piled on 11 more points at the end to win 120 to 95. Uh, Bradley Beal had 33. Russell Westbrook had 11 and 10 uh, in assistant points. Uh, only six rebounds. I say only as a guard. That's still pretty good. But um, uh, Rui Hachimura uh, didn't have his best game. Uh, only 11 points, uh, seven rebounds. Gaffer had 11 points. Ish Smith had 11 points. But the reality was it was just the 76ers just uh, put on a show. Joel Embiid, 22. Simmons, 22. Uh, Harris had 19. Um, and uh, just overall uh, a frustrating game. I'm going to let each one of you guys give your quick take on it, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Champ. Um, oh, whoops, I realize I have not. Sorry, I have to. There we go. Uh, I realized that you people weren't on the screen. All right, now we are. Um, all right, Champ, what is your take on um, on this game? Well, this game showed that the 76ers, there's a reason why they were the number one seed in the East. They're a very physical team. Uh, they run fast. And if you're a team that is very poor on defense against a team like this who plays extraordinary defense, you're not going to win this series. And I felt that when we advanced to the series, I felt that this is not a series that this team could win because they're not very good on defense and, and the 76ers are great on defense. And it showed. And if you look at the stat right here on the, uh, under three-pointers, 9.1% from the three-point line. That is not going to win you a lot of games if you're missing from that, if you're missing from there, and then the free throws weren't very good. All in all, this first game was not a very good game on any on, on any side of the ball. 76 has just had this team's number from beginning to end. It wasn't even close. And, I mean, this was not a great way to start the series, but it was indicative to show why the 76 were the number, are the number one team in this uh, conference. Yeah, this was the second game in the series. We actually recapped the first one before. The first game was actually fairly close, which gave me hope for this game. And this game was not that close. Um, uh, Tim, uh, what were your thoughts on this game? 
Yeah, this game was highly disappointing just because the Wizards played so well the, the end of the season and kind of their MO was they would often get behind like this in the first half, but they would play really hard in the second half and come back and either win or make the game close. And um, they just had a really bad second half. I mean, it really started kind of in the middle of the second quarter. Uh, the 76ers pulled away and I thought the Wizards would have a really good second half play extremely hard because, you know, like you said, the first game was close and they had a great finish and they showed a lot of heart, but the second half was just lifeless. And this, the Wizards, uh, besides just the stars, you know, Beal, Westbrook, um, the rest of the team really didn't play with nearly enough intensity, especially the first three games. And I don't know why they weren't ready, but, just they needed way more energy to compete with the 76ers um, until Embiid was hurt at least. So just kind of a disappointing effort. But, I mean, this series was such a mismatch. I don't know if it would have mattered. It's just you would like a little bit more um, a little bit more fire uh, in crunch time. Yeah, the defense just isn't there. And it's going yeah. to see if uh, we uh, give – the coach an extension there are rumors out there that we are going to give the coach an extension but i don't know how much i put faith in any nba rumors um but uh i guess i'll ask this to brian do you think we get rid of that the coach or do you think you stick out with it for like another year to let him play out the westbrook contract or maybe a year or two because westbrook i think has a player option what, yeah. what are your thoughts on yeah, the current coaching situation as it pertains to defense, especially in this game. Well, it's it's funny we talk about this because we thought all season for sure Scott Brooks was going to go. Like no matter what, whether they made the playoffs or not, we all seem to think that Scott Brooks was going to go. But it seems like Russell Westbrook wants um, Scott Brooks to stay. So if you got to take that into consideration, I feel like Russell Westbrook is one of your most important players. Like you traded for Russell Westbrook. It was a huge trade for your franchise. That's something you got to keep in mind, but there are a lot of questions. I think with Scott Brooks, I, you know, even though I'm not a wizards fan, I understand the frustration that a lot of, a lot of wizards fans have watching Scott Brooks coach the substitution patterns, the defense, it gets tiring a lot of the time. Like the, 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 the who the guys who are playing down the stretch that shouldn't be playing, I, I, I get the frustration for sure. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of that showed in this game. Um, he was, uh, the Sixers are, were the better team all series clearly. And Doc Rivers um, also outcoached uh, Scott Brooks, I thought in this series as well. Um, and it, it proved in this game too. Uh, it wasn't even close really. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's um, I think we've beaten this game to a dead horse. So I'm going to go and uh, go to the next game, which was like, as bad, if not worse. So we'll go through this one quickly. Um, so you can see by the score at the top there. Uh, so they outscored us by eight uh, in the first, outscored us by six in the second, and then they outscored us by nine in the third, and then outscored us by six in the fourth. So it's just bad. Uh, 132, 103 uh, overall. Again, Embiid just like had his way with our team. 36 points from the center position. It's kind of incredible. Uh, but, um, you know, Ben Simmons only had 14 points. Uh, Harris had 20. Green had 15. But, again, you don't need that many people to score a lot if your center can score 36 points. The Wizards 
had Bradley Beal score 25. Westbrook had a triple-double, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and 26 uh, points overall. Uh, he's, like, soaring up the playoff triple-double uh, leaderboard, but that's not enough. Uh, Gafford played okay. Ish Smith played okay. Uh, Rui had 10 points. Uh, Bertans had eight overall, just uh, not not so great. This time I'm going to start with Tim. Uh, Tim, what was your take on this game? I just think Bertans, besides game four, had a terrible postseason overall, and he had zero points last game, which we should have really made fun of him for. You know, eight points in two games, just terrible for for all the money that he makes, and um, he was still playing and taking shots. So it's not like uh, he just sat and wasn't hurting the team, but just the effort was terrible. The crowd was really bad. Honestly, I know it's not necessarily the fans fault because the team was awful and it was only like five or 6,000 fans, but I turned the game on like ESPN. You couldn't hear really anything. And there's a lot um, of 76ers fans there too. Yeah, I mean, you heard that, but uh, although they, saying, they if were 5,000 let in, it's like 50 50, and you're only talking about like 2,000 Wizards fans, you know? Yeah, it's just, it doesn't look good on um, TV, and it didn't really help the team. So that was disappointing. But I mean, I guess they had a playoff game at home. They won one of them. So, yeah, could they, be act, worse, they actually but... got three home playoff games, right? You know, in the play in one yeah, and then two. That's this, so that's way better than we were thinking a couple um, of weeks ago. But, yeah, I'm not going to say the Wizards have the best home fans in general. <laughs> and it didn't help when there was a quarter of them and then a half of those. So that's an eighth, an eighth <laughs> filled with Wizards fans that aren't that diehard. Yeah, exactly. It was frustrating. So this game was just, yeah, bad from the start, like you said. Never close. Never felt close. Champ, um, as uh, what, what are some of your thoughts on this one? First of all, I want to give props to Tim for his crowd map. That was epic, my friend. That was very epic. <laughs> um, this game is horrible. Absolutely. There's nothing else I can say. This is a horrible game. Terrible game from start to finish. And again, it shows it just it, – it, the Wizards, one of their key strengths was points in the paint. But as you can see here, 76 has kind of nullified that and added on to that with their own points in the paint with Joel Embiid going off. A center going off on you says a lot about you as a team, especially your front court, if the center can go off a of 30-plus. Um, and you can't rely on your backcourt to, to ride the wave and, against a team like this with such talent, such as Embiid and Simmons and all that. I mean, and then for them to be as physical as they are, to be for them to be as defensively sound as they are, this was – just a horrible game all the way around. There's nothing else really to say about it. Even if it was 100% Wizards fans in that stadium, there was no way that this team could match up with this team defensively the way that they play, period. Yeah. In fact, we basically had to have Embiid be injured to even give ourselves a shot in this uh, series. I'll, I'll let Brian give his quick take on this one, and then we'll we'll turn the page. Yeah, I'll be quick. Um, Embiid is a monster. Um, he's without a doubt. It's him and Jokic are the best centers in the league. I mean, they're they're just absolutely dominant, and I'm not surprised that he torched the Wizards in this game. Honestly, the highlight of this game for me, I mean, the Wizards got absolutely smoked. The highlight of this game for me was probably the fan running onto the court and trying to touch the rim, and he got tackled very quickly. 
um, that, and he tried to give Beal a hug too, right? Um, that was probably the highlight of the game, honestly. The bad fans have been the star of the NBA playoffs so far. A lot of bad fans all over the place. And uh, this game was no different. So uh, I'll just I'll, – that's my quick little recap of the game. Uh, bad loss for the Wizards. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. Well, let's get into the better game. Uh, 76ers still outscored us in game four in the first quarter, 31-28. But luckily, the Wizards come back and outscored them by two in the second quarter. And then they really play a great third quarter. Outscore them 32-19. to But they almost let it get away from them in, in the fourth quarter. But luckily, they held on – uh, for a 122 to 114 win, the the theme was Joel Embiid got hurt, and then they did hack a Simmons, and it kind of worked to give them a big enough lead to hold on to win. But it's like crazy to me that you got to rely on their top player and center getting hurt, and the fact that Hackashack still works in the current NBA system. They have changed the rules, so if you do it in the final two minutes. Uh, it, yeah, it's an intentional foul or whatever. Um, but up until two minutes, they took advantage of this. And uh, luckily, Bradley Beal went off for 27. Russell Westbrook had an astounding triple-double, 21 rebounds from the guard position, 14 assists and 19 points. We also didn't have to compete with Embiid for rebounds, which is helpful. Uh, and Lopez had a good game too. Just a solid game uh, from a lot of players. There were seven players in double uh, figures and they barely kind of hold on and win this game. Um, I'm going to go to Champ first. Champ, what were your thoughts on this game? So yeah, this was the better, clearly the better game in terms of the result, especially because of the fact that they used that third quarter with Embiid being out on the sidelines of the injury to the charge ahead and ahead as much as they could. But again, the key stat that you can look at is three-point shooting. There are three points, and it's crazy because I said this at the beginning of this season. I said, we got three-point shooters on this team. We got Westbrook, Beal, Berton. You're thinking they're going to be lighting up from three-point land. They barely make 50% from three-pointers. And, again, when you're not making those those type of shots, it's kind of hard to keep at bay a team that plays this well defensively. So this was one of those, like, lucky games for them that they caught the seven sixes on an off night without their big star in the middle, and they were able to take advantage and be able to at least avoid the sweep, which is, I think, I don't want to call it a moral victory because there should be no such thing as moral victories, but that's somewhat of a win to avoid getting swept as the AC gets the number one seed in the conference. I believe in moral victories. I said it from the beginning of this series, if we could win one, I'd be happy because we weren't supposed to be here. We had a 2% chance in April of even making it this far. And I think you could learn a lot from a series like this and at least uh, you prove that you should be there, right? I mean, if you if you get swept, then in my mind, maybe you shouldn't have been there, right? And so, uh, especially in basketball, I think in hockey, a sweep is, I don't want to say less demoralizing, but that could just be like a hot goaltender or whatever. Um, but a sweep in basketball, I mean, that's pretty embarrassing. Um, and uh, so I'm happy that it didn't happen. Tim, uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I agree. It's, it, it is a moral victory in a sense to not get swept. Um, they were huge underdogs. 1-8 in the NBA is a huge mismatch, especially compared to something like um, hockey or even baseball playoffs. 
I mean, there are a lot of sweeps, even uh, Milwaukee, Miami, that was a much bigger mismatch than even this series. So this is one of the highlights of the year for the Wizards. I think, you know, you know, we crapped on Scott Brooks for good reason a lot, like the whole season, really. And he deserves it. But he had a good, um, you know, 48 hours before game four, because clearly he kind of lit into the Wizards during practice. He, he made it very simple. He just said, everybody has to play extremely hard tonight. It doesn't matter who you are. I will bench you if you don't play hard. And, you know, they got the result with a lot of luck. Um, they probably never were going to win more than one or two games, even if, you know, best case scenario, but at least Brooks got the wizards to play hard. And he finally figured out that Gafford was the big man for this series. You know, he benched Len, he didn't play, um, Lopez that much, which helped. But I think what he really found out was Gafford should get a chance to start next year. He looked great, um, at the end of this series and, also, I think Rui played really well, and these were big playoff minutes for him. So um, the Wizards will get a lot out of this uh, series, even though they lost. And um, I think Brooks showed a little a little something at the end there. I agree. All right, Brian, what are, what are your thoughts on uh, this uh, one huge victory for the Wizards? Uh, I mean, I, I actually um, agree in the sense that it is a moral victory, and I, I agree that there are moral victories and um, that this is definitely one of them. You don't want to get swept. You absolutely don't want to get swept, especially on your home floor. Even if it is 50% Sixers fans, you don't want to get home swe- uh, swept on your home floor. Um, Embiid getting hurt obviously helped, um, but I agree with Tim uh, that Gafford needs to start next year. Um, he needs to be the center moving forward. Uh, we can't forget about Thomas Bryant either. He suffered the injury early in the season. He's going to be coming back. So the Wizards are going to have to figure out what to do with him in addition to Gafford, Lopez, and Len. Um, but I, I, I like that Scott Brooks ripped into the team because it clearly worked in this game. And, um, and, and yeah, um, Embiid getting hurt definitely helped, but it's a good win. It's good to, you know, to not get swept. It's satisfying, I would say, to – not get swept gentleman sweep if you will to lose in five right no i think it's big i mean i remember being there in the stanley cup in 98 and watching another team hoist in our building and know that we didn't even win a game we probably should never have been there and that's tough that's a tough pill to swallow you know i always say it was the best game i ever went to and the worst game all simultaneously because it was cool to see the cup but, you know, to, to get swept is heartbreaking in any round. So um, uh, so I'm, I'm happy about that. All right, let's I'm going to go super speed through this one. Uh, basically, uh, it was even after one gave me a lot of false hope. Uh, they outscored the Wizards by only two in the second. So I was like, oh, man, we're doing really well. Uh, and then in the third, they outscored us by seven. And then in the fourth, they outscored us by eight. And then they ultimately opened up a pretty big, sizable victory by the end, uh, outscoring us 129 to 112. So again, it was close in the first half, uh, but uh, I think part of that is the fact that they were still playing without Embiid. Uh, Dwight Howard played pretty well uh, coming out of that. Harris obviously putting up 28 points. Seth Curry putting up 30. Uh, Ben Simmons, the hack-a-shack routine didn't work as well uh, in this game. Uh, just, Just got scoring throughout. 
Uh, for the Wizards, uh, Bradley put up 32. Rui actually had, I think, his best game of the series, put up 21. Uh, Russell Westbrook almost had a triple-double, just two rebounds shy, eight rebounds, 10 assists, and 24 points. Uh, you know, I thought the Wizards played well, and 112 points is nothing to scoff at, but once again, the problem is on the defensive side. Um, I'm actually going to go reverse order this time. Brian, from an outsider's perspective, uh, what are your thoughts on the loss? Um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch this game cause it was at the same time as my team getting eliminated from the postseason as well. Um, but yeah, um, it's tough obviously to lose, um, especially with Embiid out. Um, I think they tried their best. Like you said, 112 points is, you know, a, a great effort, but the Sixers are just a better team. Tobias Harris, I think is one of the most underrated players in the league. He should have been an all-star this season, um, and he stepped up big time in Embiid's absence. Um, Simmons, I, I liked I – me- I meant to say this about uh, game four, but I like the strategy of putting him on the free throw line because he absolutely sucks from the free throw line. He can't make a free throw to save his life. Uh, but he did play really well in game five. Uh, Curry, uh, Seth I forgot Curry. To mention, he had a triple-double. He had 10, 11. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a beast. He was the number one pick in the draft for a reason. He's a very good player. Uh, he just can't make free throws. That's the only flaw in his game. And Curry, of course, is, is great for the Sixers as well. Uh, Steph's brother, Seth Curry. Um, it's disappointing, obviously, to end the season. But I would say, um, if, if I could say anything to Wizards fans from the outsider's perspective, it's that you guys had a, you know, a great season, a great – you know, a, run, a great run to get here. Um, it took a lot, a lot of, you know, wins in that second half just to even get to this point. So you really should be proud of what you accomplished this season, as what I would say. Right. There is some talk on Wizards forums and chatter about the fact that Westbrook's value is now at a high, much higher than they could have ever imagined uh, that getting. You could probably get a pretty big return <laughs> for him right now. Um do you think you still continue to play it out or do you think you take the big return and maybe get two or three players back for him? I would keep Westbrook personally, but um, I I get that logic in the sense that his value is going to be really high. And uh, it is, I mean, he has bounced around a little bit now. This, if he did move, that would be his what third team in three years. Um, So Westbrook is known to move around. It depends also bit. whether you're going to go walk away from the coach. Cause if he exactly. loves that coach and you're going to walk away anyway, then you may as well get something in return for him. If they are, if they do get rid of Brooks, I think it is something to consider for sure. Um, but I, you know, I was the one who said they should, the Westbrook trade would work out well for them. And it did this season. So I would personally keep Westbrook or try and keep Westbrook and try and build with what you have and try and build around Beal, build around Westbrook. Um, but that is an interesting point that, yes, you're right. His value is going to be really high after a great season like the one he had this year. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll go to Champ next. Same sort of question. What were your thoughts on this game? And then what do you do with the coach and the star player going forward? All right, so this – I actually had – I actually had to listen to this game on the radio because I hadn't gotten my cable locked in yet because I had just moved in here like two days prior. I hadn't gotten my cable, so I had to listen. So it was the first time in a long time that I actually listened to a basketball to this game, to a basketball game. And from what I was listening to, it just seemed like this team they kept it close as much as they could. It's just that it seemed like the Seventy Sixers had a little extra to them as opposed to the Wizards. I think the other thing that kind of helped was that 
this was the night that they actually had a full capacity crowd in Philly for this Inwell Partners Center for this game, which was the first time in a long time they had a full capacity crowd uh, present for a game. So they really had the home court advantage, which kind of played a bit of a role in it. But I, I got to agree with Brian that as a Wizards fan, you are, you are proud that the fact that just um, two months ago, this team had 2% chance of even making it this far, and yet they made it into the main playoffs as the AC and won a game in, in the playoffs after only having a 2% chance. So it's good, and it's something to build on. When it comes to Scott Brooks, I'm still very much on the fence with him because my problem with him is, and it's been his problem since he's been the coach, his team has no defensive identity, unless you call their defensive identity giving up over 100 points every game and trying to keep up. And at that point, I would want him gone because I want somebody who's going to keep teams under 100 points and we're averaging over 100. But if that means we're going to risk losing Westbrook and we're not going to get nothing for it, maybe ride it out one more year and hope and see if he can figure out defense. And if after next year he can't figure out defense, get him out and get somebody in here who can get this team to play defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at most I'm giving him the length of uh, Westbrook's contract, one, maybe two years, depending on how that all plays out. But I do see the the conversation where the, the value is at an all-time high, and I'm not sure this is working. It really depends on what you're going to get in return. I, I wouldn't – take you know if you're going to get like a king's ransom for him then i think you make the the move but i think if you think that teams are like oh we don't value him as high as you guys are and you're only going to get a couple of you know things back for him then i do think that you play it out but it's just it's interesting i mean we basically have to make the playoffs again next year for it to make sense and if we don't, then I think it didn't. So it's, it's very binary to me, and it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Tim, what are your thoughts on this game and then uh, the future of uh, the coach and the star player? Well, this game in particular, obviously a disappointing second half. Um, 76ers really pulled away, shot the ball really well when it mattered. Um, but it, it was better than the first three games of the series. The effort was there. Uh, it was a really close game at halftime. Um, I had some hope that the Wizards would uh, keep it close and maybe pull out a victory. Uh, but just the Wizards couldn't win in Philadelphia the whole year. Like the champs said, they had a good home crowd. So the Wizards never really got the momentum, never um, got going. I mean, the, the 76ers, they're also really deep. That uh, Turkish guy, Korkmaz, killed. The Wizards, uh, Tobias Harris killed the Wizards. He's um, still mad that people uh, thought Jimmy Butler was better than him and should have been kept over him. So he, he's playing with the chip on his shoulder. But um, in terms of the future, I I, I like Champ's kind of second part, <laughs> second um, idea, which is ride it out for a year or two. Um, the fact is, if they trade Westbrook, Beal will be really upset. I think um, you have to you have to think about what Beal's mindset is. He wants to go all in next year, at least as much as they can. The first half of this season should have just be basically thrown in the garbage heap because you had COVID, you had Westbrook, not fully healthy, not used to the team and vice versa. Um, there was enough promise the second half of the year with Westbrook, with uh, the team getting better, 
that I think you have to give the Brooks Westbrook feel um, team another year or two. And it's not, it's not really high risk to me. Like um, <clears throat> Brooks has a losing record as a wizards coach. You don't have to pay him top dollar. Um, he was already getting paid too much, really like top 10 in the league. He didn't deserve it. I think he would take a year or two kind of prove it deal because I don't know how many other teams are like clamoring for his services right now. So let, let's see what happens next year. If it doesn't work, just, you know, blow it up after next year. Yeah. So it's a very short window that we're giving them and, and that makes some sense. Um, all right, well, let's get into the playoff bracket in general real fast. Um, and uh, we'll pull this up here. Uh, so, um yeah, it's been a pretty oh, let me see if I can re is that, can people see that whole thing? No, I don't think so. Hold on. I'm gonna resize this a little bit on the fly. All right. Uh so uh Utah crushed Memphis. They won that series uh four one. Um the Clippers Dallas series was very close. Uh the Clippers won that in the seventh game. Uh and so now Utah will play the Clippers in the next round. The Denver Portland, uh, Denver beat Portland four to two, uh, and uh, Phoenix uh, kind of crushed LA. They beat them four to two, but uh, just a lot of injuries to the the champs there. So Denver will play Phoenix. Uh, so all the four top seeded teams moved on in the West and in the East. Um, you know, Philly, we've talked about it, beat us, and then uh, the Knicks. I'm sorry, Brian uh, beat or lost Atlanta, and so that was a four one series. Also not very close. Uh, the other two series were not close either. Uh, Milwaukee won four nothing over Miami. Brooklyn won four one over uh, Boston. Uh, again, uh, pretty much. Well, you know, a lot of the higher seeds five four games are always very close. Uh, moved on, and uh, but Atlanta has won the first game of that Philly series. Uh, Brooklyn leads now two nothing over Milwaukee, and uh, right now we're having this first game of the uh, Denver. Uh, Phoenix game um, and uh, so uh, yeah I wanted each one of you guys to take one series that you've seen in the past you know in the in round one other than the Wizards Philly series that you liked or found interesting and then I'll go around the table and then I'll, I'll also ask each one of you one series you're excited about in the upcoming uh, conference uh, semifinals. So I'm going to start off with Tim. Tim, of the other series, what did you find the most interesting in the first round? Well, I, I obviously have to leave the Knicks one for uh, Brian, so I'm not going to pick that. Uh, I like Portland, so I'll choose that one. Uh, definitely a disappointing series for them. Um, but I would say probably the, uh, the best playoff game so far was uh, game five of this series where it was uh, double, I think, yeah, double overtime or maybe tri double overtime, I believe. And uh, Lillard had over 50 points in a loss. And it was a great back and forth series, um, especially the first five games were very close. A lot of road wins and um, just, you know, epic fourth quarters. Uh, this is one of the better series, I would say, in um, – the first round and a lot of people missed it because it's uh, all all late games but um and you know denver is looking great despite the, the injury to murray they have Jokic. Uh, he's going to win mvp uh, he's playing amazing and they have um uh, some other players really stepping up including uh 
they have Rivers, right? So yeah, former short time wizard Rivers. Former short time Nick too. Yeah, exactly. So um they're looking great, but Portland is a team in transition. Um people are saying crazy things like Lillard could go to New York or you know, a lot of different places. But they need to figure out what's going to happen with the team around Lillard. Um, are they going to keep them? How can they be more competitive in, in the deep West? So I enjoyed that series. Kind of disappointing for the Trailblazers. But uh, Denver's moves on, and, and they're um, an exciting team. Yeah. Champ, uh, what other series interests you in the first round? Uh, I got to talk about that Phoenix Lakers series simply because of the fact – I mean, I, I'll – I knew mostly about this series because that was all that everybody was talking about on social media because of the fact that the Phoenix Suns were watching the the Lakers in the series and everybody kept talking about it, how this is the first time in LeBron's career that he got ousted in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And that's all I kept hearing about. But what people are not talking about, all they're talking about is LeBron choked, failed, this, that, and third. What they're not talking about is the fact that the Phoenix Suns are the number two seed in what is considered the toughest conference in the NBA, the Western Conference, which means they're not a crap team. They're a really good team. And they show that they're a really good team going up against the defending champions and taking it to the defending champions and advancing past the defending NBA champions. So this is a series right here where too much of the narrative was on LeBron and and his shortcomings instead of on what Phoenix did to win this series four games to two and to move on to start uh, this series against the Denver Nuggets. And I feel like that's an injustice to the Suns because, again, they're the number two seed. They should be talked about a lot more than the fact that quote, that LeBron, quote-unquote, fell short and got eliminated for the first time in the first round in his career. The, the one – caveat I have to that is Anthony Davis got injured, right? So I think if Anthony Davis is healthy, this is a very different series, much closer. Maybe it goes, you know, seven or whatever, but I, or maybe Lakers even win. Maybe they don't have a seven seed if he, uh, he and LeBron are healthier throughout the the regular season. So uh, I agree with what you're saying. Phoenix deserved a little bit more credit, but I also think that they got a little bit lucky that the Lakers were uh, banged up and, and probably a little tired because you got to remember they had that huge run, go to the finals, and then it's not that much time off before the next season starts. And then unlike in hockey, they played almost a full you know schedule. And then, you know, then they have to play in the play in round again, you know, and so they have to win that. So it's, it's a, it's a tough road to get back, especially if you have to play an extra game or so and you have injuries. So I'm not surprised that the Lakers had uh, trouble, but it was interesting that some people were picking the Lakers to beat Phoenix before this series even started. Um, I'm going to let Brian talk a little bit about his, uh, the Knicks, uh, and then we'll move on to uh, the conference semifinal. Well, actually, I, I kind of wanted to talk about the Clippers Mavericks series, if that's okay. Oh, oh yeah, uh, go for uh, it. Yeah, I, I feel like, look, I'm going to be honest. I've talked about the Knicks a lot on my podcast. If you want to hear my thoughts on that series, go listen to the Friday episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Um, but I love this Clippers Mavericks series. I absolutely thought this was a great seven game battle. Uh, the road team won the first six games. 
Uh, in game six of the series, in particular, Kawhi Leonard went absolutely ham. He scored 46 points – or 45 points, excuse me, including some just ridiculously clutch baskets to put the game away for the Clippers. Uh, and then the Clippers won game seven on their home floor uh, by 15 points despite Luka Doncic's best efforts. Uh, he scored 46 points in game seven, but it wasn't enough. The, uh, this is, you know, this was a really fun matchup. These two teams met in the playoffs um, last year in the bubble, and the Clippers won that series in six games. Um, so the Mavericks now have a lot of questions. Luka's amazing, obviously, but the talent around him could use some upgrading. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, there's a lot of questions about him. Former Nick, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, um, a lot of questions about Porzingis, I would say. And some of the other guys, they only had four bench points in that game seven, which is pathetic. Um, so they absolutely have to upgrade the talent around Luka Doncic if they want to compete in the Western Conference. But I absolutely loved the Clippers-Mavericks series. And I'm like I said in the group chat, I really love every – like I really love all these series in the second round. I think these second round series are going to be great. Yeah, so um... – I'm going to ask the other two guys uh, real quickly their favorite series in the second round. And then I know Brian likes all of them, so he can sort of talk about whatever ones that are left over. Uh, so we're going to start with Tim. Uh, of these uh, matchups here, uh, what is um, wh- which is the most interesting to you going forward? Well, I'm, I mean, the obvious one is Milwaukee-Brooklyn, but the first two games have been really disappointing with uh, the Harden injury and the terrible blowout tonight i couldn't even watch the second half um i'm gonna go ahead and choose atlanta philly um just because like you said atlanta uh doesn't get a lot of credit or hype or at least before um the last series um you know people discounted what they were doing a lot and it kind of makes sense i mean they they switch coaches in the middle of the year and they didn't have the best record in the in the in the East, although um, they, they finished strong. So I think uh, they can, they can challenge Philly. Um, Getting that first one is key and puts a lot of pressure on the 76ers, but just that great comeback that Philly had where they almost pulled it off. um, I think bodes well for the next game and the rest of the series. Um, I think Philly is going to win. Just they've got too much talent. They're deep. They have a really experienced coach too. So I think Philly will win at six or seven, but um, Atlanta is, is a, an up and coming team. And I think they're going to show a lot of, uh, a lot of grit in the series. So that that's probably an underrated series. Got it. All right, champ, I'll give you the second pick. Uh, I think I'm going to try to make an effort because, again, with all the wrestling that I watch from my podcast, uh, I'm going to try to make an effort to watch at least two of the games between Phoenix and Denver because I just spoke so passionately about Phoenix and how they didn't get a lot of credit for going out and winning a series that when you look at the numbers, they should they should win because of their seeding. So I want to look at Phoenix and see what they do against an even tougher team like Denver and see how they play well, see how they play against Denver. And I want to see how well this series goes. It's a 2-3 matchup, so that means that mathematically speaking, they're evenly matched, but math and paper, like what, what it says on paper doesn't necessarily equate to what happens on the court. So I want to see how that plays out between Phoenix. I want to see if Phoenix can go on a run 
and and go deep in the playoffs, maybe go into the conference finals and face either Utah or or the Clippers. I would like to see Phoenix versus the Clippers. I would like to see that 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 matchup for the conference. To be honest with you, but my series I want to check out is Phoenix and Denver. Yeah. So. Um... They just had an and one on a no look pass from uh, Chris Paul uh, that made it 34 to 38, but Denver just came back uh, and scored. So they're now up 40 to 34 with 8.56 left in the first half. The Winnipeg Montreal game that I'm also watching here in the Man Cave just started overtime. They are tied 2 2. If Montreal can win this at home, they will sweep. Uh, the Jets. Um, uh, Phoenix just uh, hit a big bucket. Uh, they are now within three. Again, 847 left in the first half. So it goes to speak to your point that it's going to be a very uh, close uh, potential series uh, there. So, Brian, for waiting patiently, I'm giving you both of the other two uh, series nice. uh, to, uh, to do it. So you can choose whether you want to talk uh, about the Bucks or the, uh, the Clippers series first and then finish it up with the other one. Uh, I'll start with my favorite team, the Brooklyn Nets, um, and their series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, look, I thought that – look, I think a lot of people thought that whoever wins this series was going to win not only the Eastern Conference but potentially the finals. And when James Harden went out one minute in, or 47 seconds into game one, I think a lot of people thought, okay, this is going to be a really competitive – like, this just evens the playing field even more. These are two really good teams, right? It hasn't quite worked out that way. The Brooklyn won game one, but it was even – like, I thought it was not even as close as the final scoreline indicated. And then they just absolutely kicked their ass tonight. Like, that game wasn't even close uh, at Barclays Center. They blew them out. They set a franchise record for three-pointers made in a game. Uh, a dominating effort by the Nets – uh, at the Brooklyn Public Library, as I call it, Barclays Center. Um, yeah, I see Montreal just scored. Um, and won yeah. the game in overtime. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, 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 Milwaukee's going to have to turn it around in these games in, in Milwaukee. Uh, or their se- this is going to be a really short series. Brooklyn looks great. Durant is kicking ass. Uh, Kyrie Irving has been great all playoffs. Joe I Harris. Had a, I, the- I had a question about this series. Do you think without – Having, I, I, I know it's the idea of having a big three is great, right? But then you kind of have to like give even playing time. You got to play through it. Do you think it's almost easier to like have one of them out and just play through two players and you don't possibly, have that? Yeah. Possibly in this situation. I mean, especially because, you know, they have, they've, these guys, the Nets haven't played together. They've only played seven games or whatever, at least in the regular season, they had only played seven games together. So there wasn't much time to build chemistry so i wonder if if it's just Kyrie and kevin durant because you got to remember of the big three they were the original two and then harden joined a little bit later so i wonder if maybe the two of them being together will work but this is a good nets team i i, I underestimate how good this nets team is outside of the big three blake griffin has actually been very good for them in this playoffs especially in game one he absolutely crushed it um i hate to say it but this nets team can absolutely win the finals um, bring the championship back to New Jersey for their fans. And um, yeah, um, I, I think this will, I think this will be a good series. I, I wanted this to be a good series, but it's not looking that way. And as far as the Utah Clippers series goes, uh, I am really excited about this series. Uh, I am really in on the Utah jazz as far as Western conference teams goes. 
Um, I think they're a lot of fun to watch, and I that's my I, that's the team I'm watching from the Western Conference. I think they can win the Western Conference for sure. Uh, Rudy Gobert is uh, going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's right up. Uh, he's probably third. I would say or he's right up there with Embiid and Jokic among the best centers in the league. And of course, uh, Donovan Mitchell's a great player as well. Um, they've got uh, the the Bogdanovich the Wizards had uh, Boyan. That's a good player in his own right. And um, a couple other good guys off the bench, Jordan Clarkson, O'Neal. Uh, they're a talented squad. Uh, I think they will beat the Clippers in six games. I don't trust the Clippers ever to get past the second round. Um, and I expect that to continue this year. Um, Kawhi Leonard is going to absolutely have to carry the Sixers. I, or, sorry, not the, the Clippers in the second round. Uh, if they want to have any chance to beat Utah, I think Utah wins that series in six games, I would say. And, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one. I think game one of that series is tomorrow. So uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Last last questions real quick, and then we'll speed around it. Uh, who do you think is going to be in the Western Conference Finals, and who do you think is going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals? And uh, I'll start off with Brian, and we'll go in uh, reverse order. Uh, Utah and Phoenix and Philly and Brooklyn. All right, Tim, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll go Philly, Brooklyn, Utah, and uh, Denver. Got it. And Champ, what are your thoughts? Uh, Utah, Utah versus the Suns, and in the East, uh, I think it'll be Philly versus Brooklyn. Perfect. Awesome. Um, I will stop the screen sharing there. I'm going to give each one of you guys an opportunity uh, to give your final thoughts before I let you go. I'm going to start off with Tim. Thank you for helping us break down uh, the Wizards uh, this whole season. And maybe we'll have you on next week to talk a little bit more playoff basketball before I take another week off after that myself. Uh, but uh, Tim, any final thoughts before we let you go? No, it was a great season. It was fun covering it. Started out very depressing. Um, but as the season got more optimistic, so did our show. So I'm glad we stuck with it and had some success at the end. And, um, I'm excited to cover it next year. Um, and hopefully talk about the playoffs a little bit this year and whatever the draft and off season brings too. Sounds good. Well, thank you as always, Tim. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, definitely. Have a good night guys. All right. And, uh, Champ, uh, let people know what's happening on the No Spots podcast. Let people know about the, the Twitch handle. I'll give you a shout out on Twitch live right now, but let people know um, uh, what, what you're talking about on the No Spots podcast. Right. So uh, we're back on our normal Wednesday night for Wrestle Chat Wednesdays. One of the topics is that uh, New Japan has crowned a new world heavyweight champion. It is somebody I did not expect. And I will go on the record and say I was wrong to pick against this person. So we will talk about that in other topics this Wednesday at 7 p.m. And then on the podcast this Saturday, uh, I will do a quick recap of the uh, New Japan event, Dominion, that took place this morning, as well as we'll have a recap of the week in review. And we will also be previewing uh, Hell in a Cell, which is coming up this Sunday on, pay on Peacock uh, for WWE with myself and Sid. That'll be at 5 p.m. Eastern time on twitch.tv forward slash who knows Yes, I'm giving all the links right now. If people want to go uh, to sportsothp.com, click the podcast partners button, and then click on the No Spots podcast, um, it'll uh, take you all the way to all their latest uh, podcasts. They're great. I'm also putting a link in chat um, for people who want to click on that. 
and uh, definitely give them a follow over at True No Spots Pod uh, to follow them on Twitch. And uh, Champ, as always, we really appreciate uh, your time and uh, being a part of the show and also being a moderator. Uh, and I uh, hope that you have a wonderful rest of your evening and great podcast coming up. And we'll uh, talk to you next week to recap a little bit more playoff basketball. It's been so much fun covering this Wizards team with you guys all season. You guys are like family, and I appreciate y'all, and I love you guys. Appreciate y'all. Have a good night. Yes, you are family to us as well. I really appreciate it, and uh, thank you again for being a part of this team. And that leaves us with Brian Brennan, who's already briefly talked about uh, his podcast. I'm also going to share a link uh, to his um, uh, page, but let people know uh, what was on uh, last Friday's and this Monday's episode of what you're going to talk about upcoming. Yeah, so um, like I said, uh, if you want to hear like my really in-depth thoughts on the Knicks losing to the Hawks and my thoughts on their season, uh, I highly encourage you to listen to the Friday episode. As I described it, it's a love letter to the 2021 New York Knicks. So I, I highly encourage you to go check out Friday's episode. In addition to the episode I dropped today, uh, which features my good friend Ethan Winter, who um, is a big Red Sox fan. Uh, we recap the Yankees getting swept by the Red Sox this week at the stadium, uh, which was a lot of fun, even though Ethan talked a lot of trash. Um, and yeah, um, I, I encourage everybody to go check it out on the podcast partners button or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get it, uh, go check it out. And um, I'd like to give two shout outs first to the uh, U.S. men's national team for winning the Nations League last night in a crazy game against Mexico. I'm so proud of them and I'm proud to be an American because of the men's national team for that win last night and uh, shout out to the Islanders as well for uh, beating the Bruins tonight going up three, two in that series. And uh, let's see if they can close it out in game six at the Coliseum on Wednesday. Uh, that's all I got to say. Thanks for having me on Robbie. All right, real quickly, because we do it every week. I just wanted to see the uh, DC United. Uh, they did play a couple of games. So one was against inter Miami, is that right? Is that yeah, yeah Inter Miami. It's Inter Miami. Yep. Inter Miami, and they won that three nothing. They also lost to the Philadelphia Union, but I think we no, we didn't talk about that one. They lost one nothing. So one one, lost one, and then Saturday June ninth, we play that Inter Miami team again. Uh, so that's on Saturday June nineteenth at eight p.m. is their next game. So I just wanted to at least give them a little shout out for DC United. And uh, thank you for bringing soccer into our podcast. And we'll talk to you next week for some more NBA recap. No problem. Have a good night, guys. All right. All right. You too. Later, guys. All right. 11 o'clock on the dot, CP3. I tried to get it all in. We had a lot to cover. I'm happy we were able to break down the end of the Wizards season and cover that very exciting season from start to finish. Uh, not many podcasts talk Wizards uh, and other DC sports as well. Most of them are either just Wizards or whatever. So one of the few that do this. And uh, I'm happy that we had that team. And the team is fantastic, as always. I want to thank them. Uh, for being a part of this show. And uh, I think next week we'll do a little more NBA recap on how those series are going. Um, and uh, I don't know, Carol, what your plans are for the week that I'm not going to be here, but uh, uh, I'm sure that they'd be willing to come on and talk to you about basketball as well. Uh, but I just want to thank all of them for being a part of this show this, uh, this past season as well. Carol, any final thoughts on anything you heard about basketball or anything at all before we uh, end tonight's show? Uh, no, nah, not really. I've been doing a lot of, you know, with the Washington football team, with the OTAs. I've been, you know, reading some articles and looking at some film on some of the uh, rookies that we've uh, signed. 
and some of the free agent additions that they've added. And uh, it's going to be a real interesting season, so stay tuned for uh, great football coverage coming soon once the training camp starts, I believe, in about a month. So uh, just uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, still down at Waldorf Honda selling cars, so if you're in the market, you know, the market's kind of crazy right now with, uh, you know, the microchip shortage and the car shortage, but if you're in the market for a new used pre-owned certified vehicle, come on and holler at me because we're going to get the deal done. Make sure we get you what you want and what you want to pay for. So come on, let me a Waldorf on the 2450 Crane Highway, Waldorf, Maryland. You can also hit me up about the Sports OTHP Apparel Tees. You can always check out the Sports OTH Apparel uh, page or website and click on uh, go to Sports OTH. Oh, Zach, I want to tell you, Zach was uh, wearing his Mantha Ray shirt yesterday, and I loved it on him. So definitely we have all sizes for that, including uh, kids and youth sizes as well. So I just wanted to give a, a shout out to that, that uh, my own son is repping our merch and it's adorable. So I'll have to get no, some pictures no, no. of that. Zach, honorary member of the team. Appreciate that. But as always, appreciate y'all tuning in. We got a lot going on. I probably said it'd be off in a couple of weeks. You know, I've been busy with the, you know, selling cars and everything, but we got some things in the works. So stay tuned. You know, you about to get back to getting that regular daily dose of sports OTHP with the videos and the, uh, I'm even trying to get back into writing again. So who knows, man, be on the lookout. Got so much going on. Just uh, check us out Sunday nights also at the Bar Radio, streaming live. We was off this past Sunday yesterday, but we'll be back streaming live next Sunday, 6 p.m., bringing you the best current events, politics, independent music, entertainment news, and just a whole bunch of tomfoolery with alcohol involved. So check us out. Uh, I'm always going to end my feed with some independent music videos from at the bar radio but as always we appreciate y'all tuning in dc sports about the politics it's not just a catchphrase it's not just a motto it's what we do we catch you next week